our God reigns. He is the one that is reigning on high. Amen? That means he's the one that's uh, the author of all of this. And uh, he's the one that has all authority, but he took that authority and he delegated it uh, to his son. All authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And if that's what he said, and he stopped with a period, that would be wonderful for him. But then he said, go therefore. In other words, I have given you authority. So right there is the statement of Christ at the end of uh, the Gospels where he transferred authority to the church. And uh, he is the head of the church, but we are the body of the church. And so if the Lord's going to do something in the earth today, he's going to do it through his body. The way Jesus is alive today is he's alive not only in heaven, but he's alive through his body. And, and he lives inside of every born-again believer. The Spirit of Christ himself has come to live in, inside of us. And he didn't just come, Brother Hagin used to say, like, if the Spirit of God is there, what's he there for? Is he just, is he just hitchhiking a, a ride through life? Was he just in there, you know, we are driving, we had the wedding on Friday, Friday night, and so we were driving all day yesterday to get back, and I was watching my children uh, kind of a little bit from the corner of my eye uh, in the back seats, and they're just, some of them just looking out the window, and stuff's going by, just going by. You know, the Holy Spirit's not just there to watch the scenery as it goes by, just to sit back there, uh, and he's not there to, to play an iPad, but he is there to quicken us. In other words, his life, the very same life that sustains God is the life that comes inside of us when we receive Jesus Christ. It's called the new creation life. If any man be in Christ or be in union with Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I know I could preach like weeks and weeks and weeks on that passage of scripture because if you don't behold, in other words, if you don't stop and look into and see what happened in Christ, that you were made a new creature, well, then all things will be made new on the inside in potential, but the reality or the tangibility of it where you can touch it, feel it, see it, smell it, just be stuck on the inside. You know, um, the Word of God tells us over in Romans, for the love of Christ constrains us. Or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The love of Christ constrains us because we judge this way. If one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, they which live should not from this point forward live for themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Well, that love that's on the inside, Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God has been shed abroad. Or the translation I read last week, I think it was Weymouth, said that the love of God has been flooded into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, you're recreated in Christ Jesus by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you the moment that you're born again. You know, then the love of God is flooded into our hearts. 
so that, you know, I, I picture it like every crack and crevice, everything, you know, if you've got a flood going on, if you ever had a basement flood or, you know, <laughs> uh, Pastor Trina Hankins, uh, they live in Louisiana, so therefore they don't have basements because that would be called a swimming pool. And, uh, but she, uh, she got busy, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, maybe two years ago, she got busy and doing something in the kitchen and she had turned the water on and went to the other room and did something else. And she came back and she had like her floor in her uh, kitchen was like all water. Because <laughs> she just let it run and run and run and run. And uh, you know, if you've ever been, I've been in a house like that where they had a basement and all of a sudden, I don't know, it just, the water just travels down and comes and just starts dripping and flooding. And if you ever live in a townhouse or an apartment or someone above you had a flood, uh, you know it pretty quickly because that water gets everywhere and it can travel. And so the love of God has been flooded into our hearts by the Spirit of God. So we have the love of God on the inside of us. But that love will not benefit you or me or anybody else if we don't yield to that love that's on the inside of us. There's a lady um, when uh, Kenneth Hagin was traveling that uh, it's probably my favorite story along these lines. And uh, he was preaching and ministering and just, you know, at the unction of the Spirit, you know, uh, he said, you know, he always reading the scripture and said, you know, he that hates his brother, you know, has, is like a murderer. You know, you know, murder has no eternal life uh, living in him. And he said, that includes mother-in-law too. <laughs> well, who do you think she had trouble with? <laughs> so um, after the service, she had actually been to Bible school she was an ordained minister herself, and he said, she said, I need to talk to you. And he said, well, what's up? And she said, um, well, you said if you hate your mother-in-law, you know, you don't have eternal life uh, abiding in you. You know, you're on your way to hell. And uh, she, uh, he said, well, what's your problem? And she said, I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> he said, well, if you hate her, you're not born again. You know, because the, the love of God is inside of the, the one that's born again, and you're not on your way to heaven. So he kind of let her, gave her enough rope to kind of hang herself, and she's like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he said, well, he said, uh, say, I hate my mother-in-law, and check down here instead of thinking up here. And so she said, <laughs> I love how he tells it. She said very boldly, I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> and he, she said, he said, what's happening? She said, something down here is scratching me. Well, what does that mean? Well, a lot of people don't understand that. That means like you're kind of like uneasy. You feel like it's, it's, you're wrong about doing it. You shouldn't be doing that. He said, well, that's the love of Christ inside of you trying to hold you back, trying to constrain you. Well, uh, in many areas of life, especially familiar relationships, it's real easy to go by what you know of that person, what you know of their past, what you know of your interactions with them. How, oh yeah, you know what, I know what, especially family, you can think like, I know what they're gonna do, they're gonna do this. You know, I'm gonna say this, then they're gonna say this. And you, you already have them cornered, uh, they don't even have a chance to do anything else because you're, you're regarding um, them after the flesh. Remember, the word of God tells us to regard no man after the flesh. That doesn't mean no male. That means no mankind. <laughs> and actually, the apostle said, you know, 
we did regard Jesus Christ after the flesh, but we don't regard him this way any longer. Well, as long as you regard Jesus Christ after the flesh, you'll be like those in his own hometown where he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Because uh, they saw him as Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus the Christ, the anointed one with the anointing, not the Messiah of God. And so uh, when you're born again, the love of God is flooded into your heart. But if you don't live your life uh, at the unction of your heart or the direction of your heart, well, then you could find yourself uh, legitimately like this woman was born again and on her way to heaven, but she was acting like someone that was on their way to hell. Why? Because she didn't let the love of, of God have dominion over her. She, she was too interested in um, being upset at her mother-in-law or, you know, thinking like, I can't believe my mother-in-law acts like that. And uh, everybody just looked forward. Nobody's ever thought that, right? You know, <laughs> uh, I can't believe they act like that. Why do they do that? Well, um, regard no man after the flesh. Because all of us after the flesh make mistakes and do things we shouldn't do. Uh, sometimes do things we're not even aware of. Uh, but if you walk in the Spirit, uh, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Let's, let's look over there at uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to read, uh, you know, I really want to read it in here instead of over there. So I'll turn over here. Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. This is Paul. You know, he's writing to the Galatians, and he, even if you look over in Galatians chapter 1, he, he says, you know, I'm surprised that you're so soon removed from the faith that you had at the beginning, and you, you actually slipped away from faith and acting in faith to acting in works. Well, like just a quick, you know, uh, a paraphrase of that, you know, faith is a total surrender of yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God through him. And uh, Jesus said, have faith in God. They're amazed at the, that he cursed the fig tree and it actually withered from the roots, you know, and uh, they're like, well, what's going on? And he said, he said, have faith in God. Or one translation says, lay hold on God's faithfulness. And then he says, speak to the mountain and it'll move. Right? I'm, I'm obviously really shortening that. But the point I'm trying to make is speaking to the mountain and the mountain moving is all based on having the faith of God or laying hold on the faith of God. Now, when you're born again, it's given to every man the measure of faith, and that measure of faith is a measure of the God kind of faith. So when you're born again, the faith that you are dealing with, the substance of faith that you are dealing with is the same substance of faith that God himself is dealing with. So when you say a thing and you believe a thing uh, based on the word of God that, you, that has been quickened to you, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or hearing by the rhema of God, which is the word of God that's spoken to your heart and is alive to you. You know, it's God speaking to you. Most of the time, it's not like, thus says the Lord. Most of the time, it's an inward witness. And so 
lay hold on the faith of God. And so what happened is the Galatians began that way, uh, like many of us. They began that way, and then they were pretty quickly, they started living life or approaching God based on what they had done. In other words, well, I do this, I do that, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and so therefore the Lord will answer my prayers. No, the Lord does not answer your prayers based on what you do, unless what you do is have faith in him. And if what you do is have faith in him, then you're not laboring at it. Because Hebrews chapter four says, he that believes has entered into rest. And uh, the only labor that we're to do is to labor to enter into rest. What what is that? Is that confusing? (laughs) It can be, especially if you're flesh ruled. And so the labor to enter into rest is that you're laboring to yield to the spirit of God on the inside and the new creation uh, that you are made on the inside and live life um, from that source rather than to live life from what you could accomplish apart from God. And so really what happens is if you want to find life, you first have to lose it. So you cannot find life if you do not lose it. Well, how do you lose your life? Well, you first have to die. And the way that you come to Christ is a complete surrender. You have to die. In other words, I'm giving up lordship of my life. I'm giving up uh, what I could do with my life. And Jesus is now my Lord. I believe, I believe he is who he said he is. I believe that God, uh, that he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, my sins were there in him. My sins were there on him. My sickness was there on him. My poverty was there on him. My inability was there on him. Uh, You know, any difficulties, any problems, any part of the curse, uh, he became a curse for us because it's written, cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. So the whole curse, all of the curse, every part of the curse, every aspect of the curse came on Christ. Well, the way that I, I take advantage of that, because when that curse came on him, he didn't just die in hell. He went there and he defeated all of the curse and he defeated the author of the curse, the devil himself and all of, all of those that work with him, all of the demons, all of the powers of darkness, principality, power, the rulers of the darkness of this world. He defeated every, every bit of the power of the enemy and got the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the devil. So defeated was he that one translation says in Colossians that he paraded him around the streets of heaven in total nakedness. Which, in other words, everyone can see like, you know, was it over in Revelation? Uh, when, when you actually can see the devil, people are like, is this the one that made the nations to tremble? Is this the one? This is all he is? Because you see him as he really is. But you have to totally surrender and totally give up your life in order to get life. Well, that doesn't stop just after you've been born again. Okay, now I've done that. Well, it would if you just like stayed totally right there. But what happens is called um, uh, you experience um, things in the flesh and the natural and and you start to like kind of slip away from that. And um, what you do is... When you're born again, on the inside, you are recreated perfect. But according to James, your mind has not been renewed. Well, the reason that you do what you do 
uh, is because your mind controls your body. And if your mind is not renewed with the word of God, then your mind will not control your body according to the word of God. Your mind will control your body according to whatever information is there, whether renewed or unrenewed. So your mind may control many people, many of us, our mind controls our body based on experience. Because, you know, you learn after a while, like my um, nephew, uh, he is healed in Jesus' name, but he, he like, uh, last week, he, I think, pulled a pot of boiling water down on him and got, like, first, second, and third degree burns. And, uh, you know, well, I would say that he'll be very cautious around hot pots or stoves now right? Nobody wants to, their kids to learn that way or anything like that. And it was obviously a very difficult thing for the parents and for us as family, but he's doing well. And I think he went home yesterday or something like that from the hospital. And um, so he's, he's getting better. But um, you learn some things just by living life is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you, you run into it and you realize like, um, you know, that's going to hurt. Or, you know, this is how this person did this and that. Well, if you don't get the word of God, you're limited to your experiences and to the thoughts of other people or the thoughts of the world system. So the world system says it's this way. You know, the world system says like, you know, lots of different things. I don't want to go there because that will take too much time. Uh, But you know some of the foolish things that the world system says. And the reason that people act that way is because of the word of God. Because Romans chapter 1 says, because they chose not to acknowledge God. And because of that, they were given over to a debased mind. And so if you don't acknowledge God, uh, after some period of time, your mind can be given over. And you you will have these things where a believer might see somebody making a decision and making a a law or something. And you're worth thinking, like, why in the world would they do that? That makes absolutely no sense. That goes against natural biology. That goes against just, like, common sense. Well, because uh, the Bible says right there that their minds were darkened. So they actually can't see clear. And so when your mind is not darkened, you see clear. And so you're like, what are they thinking? So the point is, oh, this is so good because this is the message on love. <laughs> so the point is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so uh, anytime you find yourself uh, getting upset and stirred up at a person, whether they're a politician or not, uh, you're getting on the wrong territory where the love of God is not able to constrain you. You understand? Like, I always uh, use the example of, I guess because it happened to me, you go into uh, your job and you have a place of business that you work or you own, and uh, typically it's people that are working there, and you're just having a, a wonderful day. You had a wonderful time in the Word, wonderful time with the Lord, and your family's doing good, and you walk in and everything's good, and you're like, man, I, you know, I really kind of like this job. You know, I'm just really fulfilled here. I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time. And, and then uh, your coworker comes or you go over to their office, wherever they're at, and they just have a really bad attitude. And they're like, this is the worst place to work. Can you believe how the boss is treating us? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? And you were like really thrilled. But what happens is if you start to listen to that with your heart enough, all of a sudden you'll kind of, you might not say it much right away, but you might buck up on the inside. You might be like, that's right. You ever see like somebody gets really upset and you're not upset at all and they like attack you 
And if you don't pay attention real close, that same spirit that's influencing them will try to influence you and get off on you. And all of a sudden, you'll have the same kind of like counter-reaction. I'm not talking like uh, righteous indignation. I'm talking like you're like yielding to that same spirit. And you're like, well, what is this? So I, have had, I had that happen to me before. And I, was, I would sit there and I was kind of like, I didn't really say anything. But on the inside, I was kind of getting stirred up. And, you know, I could tell I was yielding to the wrong passion, so to speak. And uh, all of a sudden, I thought, now, what in the world? I was fine. I was actually enjoying this and thinking this is pretty good. And I realized, oh, they're carrying something. You know, and that's, I was letting that affect me. Uh, and so sometimes you, you just kind of unconsciously um, do that. And you got to catch yourself, say, oh, no, uh, no, everything's fine. Everything's good. And um, you have what you say. So Galatians chapter 5, um, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you are circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For if Jesus Christ for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. Of course, you know, like uh, the Jews were trying to say uh, to the, about the Gentiles, well, they need to be circumcised. You know, they, they may, okay, they can come to God through Christ, but they really need to be circumcised. And Paul's like, well, no, they really don't need to be circumcised. And circumcision isn't really anything. It's just kind of an outward thing. And if the inward heart is not um, right, then circumcision really doesn't work anything. But what works something is faith which works by love. In other words, the way that your faith is going to work is by love. So the way that the, the faith of Jesus Christ worked to save the whole world was by an act of love, and that was giving of himself. And the way that Christ was able to do that was by an act of love that God gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's this kind of life we talked about at the beginning of the message, the very life and nature of God. That's the Greek word zoe. That's life the way God has life, the quality of life that God has. When you are born again, you come into the kingdom of God in that instant, and you receive eternal life then, not when you die and get to heaven. You receive eternal life, which is aeonius zoe, and it is uh, really not about a length of time. It's about a quality of life. And it is about a nature that you get. So eternal life begins the moment that you're born again. You enter into, uh, actually, you punch a hole through time into eternity. So now you're in your spirit. You're not really subject to time. Your body still is, but you've actually entered into eternity. That's called eternal life. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. You did run well, who did, who, and who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion doesn't come of him that called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. You know, you get into a place of business, and all of a sudden you just got this little, little leaven in there, and all of a sudden you'll, just, you, you'll find yourself going that direction if you don't pay real close attention. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you, you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach unto you circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? 
then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off that trouble you. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty or unto freedom. Only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. By love, serve one another. You'll notice that love is freedom from the flesh. In other words, if you're responding to the God kind of love on the inside of you, you're not responding to the lusts of your flesh, the strong desires of your flesh. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You think about that for a second. In a situation where we've had any relational uh, challenges, are you loving them as yourself? Not just in what you're doing, but how you're thinking about them. Like what thoughts do you allow in your mind? Because the reason you have the actions that you have that you despise is because you allow the thoughts that should not remain there. Uh, because those thoughts, uh, not spoken or meditated upon, die unborn. So they don't have an effect. But the problem is, when you start to meditate on those things, love thinks no evil. We're to forgive even as God forgives. Forgive even as God himself forgives. How does God forgive? He takes your sin, throws it as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness. Gone. That means if the word of God tells us that we're to forgive even as God forgives, that we can forgive even as God forgives. And so we can forget it. Somebody said, I, I, I forgive him. I'm just never going to forget it. Oh, you're looking at the wrong place. You may could find a picture of it, but it doesn't exist in God. So if you're regarding them after the flesh, you probably remember what they did. <laughs> but if you regard them who they are in, after who they are in Christ, it's as though sin had never touched them. It's as though a mistake had never been made. But what happens is we start to think on these things, and we, we, we are like, you know, and it is like we talked about last week, uh, when we feel like uh, people treated us wrongly, like we're owed something, uh, and they didn't recognize us. Brother Hagin used to say, when you feel mistreated, you know the devil's working on you. So you start to feel like, well, what did they do? They didn't do this right. They should have done this. They should have done that. Well, then you start to think on it, and what happens well, then other thoughts come. When you meditate on something, you see it like in a lot of different directions. People sometimes want to know, how do you meditate the word? Because there's so much in the word about meditating in the word. Well, uh, you could just think pretty simply that meditating in the word is opposite of worrying. Because worrying would be like, I can't believe they did that to me. You know, they asked me to do that, and I, I, was so, uh, I was so gracious to them, and I gave everything I had, and I, I this, and I that, and, you know, how could, they, how could they do that? What are they thinking? Don't they know who I am? Don't they understand? Don't they know what, what kind of seeds they're sowing? Don't, you know, da, 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 da. And so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and pretty soon, you talk to somebody that you're close with, husband, wife, close friend or something, and you know what's going to come out real quick? Something about one of those meditations you're just thinking about, <laughs> even if you don't want it to, because you're, you're allowing it place in your mind. 
And uh, then, then you'll begin to speak it. When you begin to speak it, then you begin to move in that direction. But if those thoughts, if you take those thoughts, those vain imaginations, well, you know, a vain imagination kind of makes you feel like, well, I'm better than that, or I'm in a different category than that, or, you know, look at me, and I'm more special, and how could they do that to me? So those vain imaginations, if you don't cast those things down, those things will get a hold of you. And that's the avenue that the devil uses to get into your stuff, get into your body, get into your family, get into your finance. Why? Well, because you're on the wrong territory. If any man be in union with Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's think about someone that is in union with Christ, but they're not living in light of the union. They're living in light of what they can do of their own thoughts and of how they want to tell somebody off. Do you think they'll benefit from the union in Christ? No, the only benefit from the union in Christ is they know like as soon as they kind of get out there far enough and they're like, this is not like, you know, you can sense, uh, you, you can perceive rather is a better word, the love of God. And you know when you're not acting in that love as a believer and it's not a good place to be. And you get out there, well, the, the advantage you have then is you know, oh, hey, I can run right back to this because I have been acquainted with something that's like out of this world. If you're a believer, you have a supernatural miracle evidence that you are a believer, and it is called the love of God on the inside of you because there are things that you would never do in yourself that you do because of the love of God. We know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren, the Bible says. So it's actually the love of God is evidence that we are born again. Uh, so sometimes we get confused with our want to. Like, I don't want to forgive them. No, you actually do. The real you does. No, your flesh doesn't. Uh, I don't want to admit I was wrong. Who wants to admit that they were wrong, right? <laughs> People don't want to admit that they're wrong. Especially if it's, you know what's the hardest? <laughs> is when it's like somebody that typically is very arrogant. And they're always like, you know I'm always right. You know this, you know this. And then like in that interpersonal relationship, you're kind of like, <laughs> you made a mistake and said something wrong. <laughs> and so you know like when you apologize to them, they're going to be like, I know, people that live at your level, they just can't handle it, you know? Well, you're actually more mature, but they don't see it that way. <laughs> That's what I call character-building experience. <laughs> hmm. Start with verse 13 again. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty or to freedom. Only use that not as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. If you're having trouble with your flesh, uh, yield to the love of God that's on the inside of you, and you'll find that that uh, desire of the flesh kind of gets its supply cut off. For all love is fulfilled, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you'll love your neighbors, you should love your neighbors yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed lest you not be consumed of one another. <laughs> this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these two are contrary 
uh, the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. You remember over in Romans chapter seven, Paul's like, it's like he's having this battle with himself. He's like, every time I try to do what's right, I find myself doing what's wrong and like, oh, what a wretched man I am. What's wrong with me? Well, you know, he's having that struggle that's uh, not unique to him uh, is between the flesh and the spirit. Because when you're born again, your spirit has been uh, recreated in Christ and actually been recreated in union with the spirit of God. And if you walk by the Spirit, you'll not fulfill those lusts of the flesh. And there is a walking by the Spirit where you are conscious and own with Him of spiritual things. In other words, you know kind of what the Lord's saying right now, and, and you're flowing with Him, and you pick up a lot of that in prayer, especially praying in other tongues. Um, and you, you pick up and you walk in that atmosphere. But you know when you walk with the Spirit of the Lord, He is the Spirit of love. And it is so much like flowing in prayer. Do you understand what I mean when I say flowing in prayer with the Spirit of God? In other words, you may, you may go and pray, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit or as you're led by the Spirit and, uh, you know, watching in prayer, sticking with it uh, for all believers. And so in that place, you're praying and you're constantly looking to the Lord. And so if I'm praying for you, or I'm praying for me, or I'm praying for somebody else, or I'm praying the word, I'm not praying without the Spirit of God, because he has been given to me on the inside of me. So I don't just pray like a mental prayer, but I pray a spiritual prayer. So like I pray Ephesians prayers all the time, and when I pray the Ephesians prayers, uh, well, when I pray any prayer... I always endeavor, I'm not perfect at it, of course, but I always endeavor to me with the Holy Ghost. That you would give unto me or unto you or unto them, whoever you're praying for, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. So if I'm going to pray that, I'm going I'm to open my spirit up to that, Father, I pray for them. Like, I'll pray for all of you that are here right now and those that are listening. Father, I pray for all of us that are here and that are listening that you would give unto us, you, our Father, would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you, in acknowledging you. Now, I'll pause my prayer for a second because, you know, in the margin of the Bible, it says acknowledgement, for acknowledgement. In the knowledge of him, King James says. Well, what does that mean? Well, because you want to have a knowledge of God and what he's like and who he is. Well, that's kind of like knowing him. Remember what Paul said? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Well, if you read on in Ephesians chapter 1 prayer, that Paul prayed the first prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, you'll see that you might know the inheritance that you have in Christ. You read over in Ephesians chapter 3 that the, you know, actually the end of chapter 1 prayer, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And so what happens is you want to respond with the Holy Spirit. And he's on the inside of you to lead you, to guide you, uh, to bring you light. You know, the words, when you read the word, he will teach you. 
I cannot teach you anything. I can yield to the Spirit of God and let him use my lips and my mouth and my body, but I am not the teacher. I am not the, uh, the one that brings revelation. Only God could do that. Only God could reveal and unfold. So when we pray that prayer, we're saying, Father, we're not looking to any man. We're not looking to any person. We're not looking to any YouTube video, but we are looking to you to reveal. Now, how does he do that? Well, many times he'll use the scriptural YouTube video. <laughs> he uses men and women. Like, I'm speaking his word, but you hear my voice. So it's my voice, but it's not my words. If, if you lay hands on someone and pray for them, they'll fill your hand. But it's not your anointing. It's his anointing. In other words, you can't, Brother Hagin, I used to I love you say, I could not heal a gnat's wing or a fly's eyeball. That's how he used to say it. <laughs> In other words, he, he was actually had a special anointing uh, he received for healing. But that was something that really wasn't his, it was the Lord's. And that he just ministered as the Lord directed him. And so if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so if you're talking about walking in love, perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has torment. And so if you're going to walk in that perfect kind of love, uh, you're not going to come with a message of fear. Uh, you're going to come with a message of love. And the way that you're going to do that, because you can come with a message of fear. Oh, good. I, would, I was hoping, I've been having this in my nose for three weeks, and every time it didn't, I'm like, Lord, are we going to talk about that this week? And so we'll just probably end with this, because I've been wanting to tell you this. <laughs> um, I looked up fear in that 10-volume dictionary that I have, and um, this is the best definition I've ever heard of fear. It says that uh, fear is a reaction to a man's encounter with force. The scale of the reaction ranges from spontaneous, particularly when it's to terror or anxiety, to honor and respect, particularly when it's something you've had experience with. In other words, it is fear is a reaction to man's encounter with force. Because a lot of times people say, like, you should fear God. Well, you know, your natural mind, my natural mind immediately goes to like, okay, I'm going to be afraid like you're afraid of a tornado or you're afraid like a rattlesnake or you're afraid of, you know, something like that. That doesn't seem quite right. No, no, no. Fear is a reaction to our encounter with force. So you see, if you encounter the force of God and you understand the holiness of God and the mightiness of God and the all-encompassing power of God, that's going to cause fear. But that fear is not terror or anxiety-producing. That fear produces honor and respect. You ever, I was in the Air Force, and so I remember being in basic training. And in basic training, they had, uh, at that time, the biggest cargo plane was the C-5 uh, cargo plane. And in basic training uh, down at Lackland Air Force Base, uh, they had a neighboring Air Force Base called Kelly Air Force Base right next door. And the C-5s would just fly over all the time. And they get kind of low. And just the awesome power of that huge airplane just going over was, was really like, whoa. Of course, nothing, nothing compared to, you know, the awe of the awesome power of God. But you see, like, you can have a great... Uh, 
fear of things that's a dread, or you can have a fear that's an awesome respect. That you're kind of like, hmm, now that's some power. (laughs) And so perfect love casts out all fear. That is the terror and the anxiety fear. But, But when you have fear of God, you have awe at his awesomeness and his power and his presence and his love, then when you approach a situation where every time in the past you have been like, I hate my mother-in-law, you can walk in the fear of God because of the awesomeness of this love that goes beyond your own ability to love that person. Because you really do love them on the inside. And then instead of seeing that as a uh, fear that produces anxiety, like, okay, I'm going to see them again. How am I going to handle this? It can actually be a godly fear that affects your faith. Why? Because now you're like, <laughs> every other time, I did not do this with the love of God. This time, I'm going to act on my union with Christ. I'm going to yield to the love that's on the inside of me, and I will come out on the other side more than a conqueror. What is that, more than a conqueror? In Christ. I don't like people forgetting that last, that's a a very significant phrase. Because I am not more than a conqueror. I am not the head and not the tail. All those wonderful truths on my own. But in my union with Christ, in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. Now that explains something. Look, you say, well, are a believer, and legally you are in Christed. And you look and you say, well, why did I have a failure in that situation? Check up on it. You probably were not acting out of the new creation reality of who you are. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never received him, the word of God tells us as many as received him, those are the ones he gave the right to be the children of God. In other words, salvation is not automatic. Becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new creature on the inside where you actually have a true love, it doesn't happen automatically. You have to receive Jesus Christ. And when you receive him, you become a brand new creature on the inside. But the only way to receive him, you cannot receive him based on what you could do, that you did all of these things that are right, that you said all these things that are right, that you uh, went to all these churches or did this or did that. The only way you can receive is by completely surrendering yourself to him and to his lordship and taking him as your Lord and as your Savior. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, but you'd like to, I want you to uh, put your hand up. I want to pray with you and for you. In an instant of time, you'll be born again in the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you'd like to, well, there is an experience after you're born again called the baptism of the Holy Ghost and where you say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. Well, you do have the Holy Spirit if you're born again, but you may have never been baptized in the Spirit. 
And that experience will enhance and enliven your life and enlighten your time in the Word uh, like none other. Actually, you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. Power to be a witness, power not only to tell other people, but power to live as a witness. If you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking other tongues, slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and pray for you. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, that you sent your word. You sent him. And you healed us. You delivered us. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us. Father, that as we go, that we would uh, give heed to your spirit, that we would give heed to the love that you have placed within us. Father, that we can live your life and let your nature flow through us, your love nature, the fruit of our recreated spirit, the fruit of love. Father, in our personal lives, in our business lives, in our family lives, Father, that we are, like Jesus said we would be, we're known for our love. We're known for giving up our own rights to help others. We're known for giving up our own desires for the desires of others, Father, that we could be available to you at any time. Father, that we flow with your spirit and that he causes us to love, 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 love. And Father, I do pray for us as we go that you would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, for knowing you, for acknowledging you, for walking with you, for talking with you, for fellowshipping with you, for drawing near to you. Father, that we may know what's the hope, the, the, the great expectation of our inheritance. Father, that we look into these things, that we don't just look, but we walk into them and we go into that place and, and, and we receive from you and what you have given and what you have bought and what you've paid for and what you have placed upon us. Father, that we don't leave, leave it uh, by the wayside, but we pick it up and we walk in the fullness of all that you have given to us and all that you have given to the believer. And Father, according to your ability, according to your power, according to your mercies, we receive. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.